And I kept thinking, why can't you have fun while you're learning? And uh, I've actually had colleagues who basically said, you know, I've gone by your classroom and I think you should get more serious in there. And I said, what are you talking about? And they'll say, I was all laughing and joking and stuff. And I said, that's us learning. And I will put my students up against anybody at this university. So that concept of being warm, being friendly, just like thinking about sitting around the Thanksgiving table, but you're in a classroom. And not the Thanksgiving table where, you know, the crazy uncles are yelling and screaming, but the nice one. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. My name is Mike Jones, and I'm here in lieu of Tiffany Snyder, who is a little under the weather today, but I am with her amazing co-host, Brad Garner. Welcome, Brad. Hey, Mike. Glad to be here. Hey, since our guest today does an amazing blog that we're going to talk about, I have a blogging joke. Love it. Do you know that I once got a job blogging for a French recipe site? No. I had to quit because it gave me the crepes. Okay. (laughs) Nice. Nicely done. Good delivery. I'm I'm sorry. So it's been a great show. I'll see y'all later. I got to (laughs) go. Don't leave us yet. Don't leave us yet. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. That was the low point. That was the low point. Fabulous. Fabulous joke. I love it. Our guest today, uh, you've heard his wonderful voice before on the Digital Learn podcast, is coming back. His name is Todd Zakrysik. He is joining us again today to talk about some new topics that he's had and some new scholarship that's come out, two books, a third almost complete. So we'll hear a little bit about those. But before we get started with that, let's get to know a little bit more about Todd. Okay, Todd, let's get started. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? That's a good one. I'm, you know, people get superpowers. They love these things about teleporting or being able to fly and do all those types of things. But I'm a nerd. And as a total nerd, if I had a superpower, it would be to see other people's zones of proximal development. Because if I could see your ZPD, I'd know right where you were at with respect to learning. That would be a superpower. Spoken like a true teaching scholar. Incredible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm guessing no one will ever pick that again. I I doubt it, but, you know, I'd be the only one with it. Be the best teacher ever. (laughs) Only those that listen to this podcast will even know that's a possibility, Brad and Todd. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, some of you know this, some of you don't. My master's of fine art is in screenwriting. And so this next question is near and dear to the heart. So, Todd, if you could produce a movie on any topic, what topic would you pick? Oh, okay. Well, hmm. If I had like a bazillion dollars, you know, it's really hard to get any movies about education to work, but I'm going to stick with the education theme. And it's going to be kind of what we're going to talk about today. I would love to see a movie that really takes into consideration the wide diversity of students and the ways in which faculty members can connect with them and what it takes to make that all work. And I really believe people would enjoy that. It'd have to have the hook, of course, of some kind. So probably have some big fiery car chase through the university at some point, but It'd be about the diversity on campus and how we help those learners to learn. I'm thinking that the main character probably has a superpower that has just recently been disclosed. 
oh my gosh i didn't think about that we could do this as a whole marvel kind of movie kind of thing that's great <laughs> uh, okay our last question what's the most ridiculous thing that you have done qualifier that you're willing to share Oh, yeah, that's a good qualifier. I split. I got to have to go with two. Sorry, I'm going to just go uh, greedy on this one. Is I one time rode a bicycle down the mountain, a road bike. So it was down the road. And I hit 65 miles an hour. And I actually, because you can turn really fast on switchbacks on the mountain roads, I passed a guy on a Harley Davidson. And when we got down to the bottom, I pulled off to the side and he pulled up next to me. <laughs> I didn't know what he's going to say because I'm sitting there with all my lycra on and he's got all of his full gear on. And right. he looked over, he said, you are one crazy son of a bee. <laughs> and he <laughs> drove away. And so that's probably the most ridiculous thing, because if I'd hit a pebble at that speed, I would have been just yeah, it would have been bad. And so yeah. that was it. And the other one, I just I will admit to this. I love putting jigsaws puzzles together and the last jigsaw puzzle i put together we had thirty-three thousand six hundred pieces it was, it was a task but i enjoy that so those are two ridiculous things wow that's amazing the estimate on how many hours it took of actual construction to get that puzzle done oh i you know that'd be tricky because it takes me about it took me about a year on that one and i oftentimes couple of I, hour two hours a day i did it pretty regularly so I mean, at least 10 hours a week across the year. Wow. Minimum. That's that a lot a, of time. Yeah. Was that just a flat puzzle or one of those 3D ones? No, just a flat puzzle. But I tell you, it's funny because you can't put the edge together first because you can't reach in the middle. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. And the puzzle is 20 feet long. So you have a separate table that you're kind of sorting pieces on and you find a piece, you just know where it belongs. And I had my step counter on and you actually rack up a lot of steps walking back and forth. So, Yeah. But it's a little wow. ridiculous because it's a lot of time. And then when you're done, you can't even hang it up because who has a wall that's 20 feet by five feet with no windows or doors or anything? So, that's crazy. That's yeah, amazing. see, it's crazy. There's the... <laughs> well, let's get serious now. All right. Uh, first, I want to do a tribute to the title of your thoughtful blog, The Scholarly Teacher. Love that. How did you arrive at that awesome title? Um, that came a long time ago with a, a, an article is done by Lori Richland, and she talked about the difference between the scholarship of teaching and being a scholarly teacher. And it's, and it's a big difference. The scholarship is when you're actually producing scholarly work, but you don't have to produce scholarly work to be scholarly, but you do have to read what other people have done. And so the scholarly teacher is the concept that we're all building on work that's been done by other people. And if you're reading published research by other people, then you are a scholarly teacher. And mm. so that's where it comes from. What a great model for teachers to follow and think about. Yeah, powerful. One of the reasons we asked you to join us today, and it sounds like we've got even more things to talk about, but you recently had a blog post on high expectations and warm teaching. And these two characteristics are often seen as kind of enemies. So can you share with us a little bit more about that blog post and help our listeners know how those two items connect? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I guess the other thing that's ridiculous, I should admit, is I've been teaching now for almost 40 years. And when I started teaching, it was interesting because one of the things I was told is an old joke is kind of you don't smile before Thanksgiving. 
And the idea was if you don't come across as being kind of rigid and kind of stern and everything, does the students are going to take advantage of you. And so I was told that over and over again, they're going to take advantage of you. And it just never made sense to me. And I kept thinking, why can't you have fun while you're learning? And I've actually had colleagues who basically said, you know, I've gone by your classroom and I think you should get more serious in there. And I said, well, you talk to us. And they'll say, I was all laughing and joking and stuff. And I said, that's us learning. And I will put my students up against anybody at this university. So that concept of being warm, being friendly, just like thinking about sitting around the Thanksgiving table, but you're in a classroom. And not the Thanksgiving table where, you know, the crazy uncles are yelling and screaming, but the nice one, like the Norman Rockwell one. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yes, and I think you can do that and have high expectations. And, you know, one really, really quick example of that is I could say to you, your paper is due December 1st. If you don't get me the paper by December 1st, don't hand it in. Don't bother sending it to me because I'm just going to throw it away. You get it to me on the 1st or don't bother doing it. Okay. That's old school. You also could say, hey, I have to have your papers by December 1st, because for me to get feedback to you so that you can become a better writer, I need time to do that. And if you don't get it to me by December 1st, I just can't do that. And I refuse to let you not get better. So I have to have the paper by the 1st. If you look like you're having any trouble getting it done by the 1st, you let me know. I will remind you 30 days out, seven days out, and three days out. We will get it done. In both cases, the paper is due December 1st, and all the students know it. Just the difference between are you being warmer and encouraging, or are you being colder and demanding? Hmm. Much different way of delivering that message. Yes. So when you think, Todd, about an online course where you're not generally having face-to-face contact with students, What are some ways that we might demonstrate warmth in an online environment? The first thing I guess to think about is you don't have to be face to face. You just have to be communicating. And so if you think about emails, there's one you can go right there real fast is I can write an email to you that is encouraging and warmer, or I can write an email to you that's very cold. And so for an online class, it's how you just write the emails and it, It may very well be something as simple as, hey, when you get an opportunity, could you send me a draft of your paper or the outline? I'd love to take a look at it and see what's going on. You know, it's got to be done by Monday anyway, so I'm looking forward to it. I could do something like that. I also could say one that just says, papers are due Monday. Make sure you get them done. Just a couple of extra words in there can do that one. You can ask students periodically, just, again, posting things or asking them if there's anything they need. There's ways of wording things, by the way, where you can, I hate to say this one, so I'm going to whisper so nobody can hear it, um, <laughs> that you perceive to be very friendly and helpful, but you don't have to be. We all know that you can offer people, say, if you need anything, Brad, you let me know. And I know you're never going to call me and ask me for anything, but mm. that's nice to offer. So there's right. a lot of times we can say to students, you know, I know you're working on the paper. If you need any help with that, just let me know. And they don't. I, when I was, First started teaching a long, long time ago before internet and before everything was posted and everything, I used to give my students my home phone number and my colleagues went nuts when I started doing that. But I said to the students, here's the deal. Before you call me, look at a clock. If it is between 9 p.m. and 9 a.m., do not call me. Number two, 
spend at least 15 minutes trying to work on something before you call me. You should really try to do it for yourself because it's better if you can do it. And number three, ask at least one person who can help you because you need to get used to the fact that I can only be around you for this semester. Others will be around you all your life. So if you hit those three things and you know you need to call me, call me. And I could have classes of 200 and get like three calls in a semester. So mm -hmm. online would be right. the same thing. It's what do you no. offer? How do you say it? It's the communication. Well, this is an amazing conversation so far with Todd, and we're going to be right back at it in part two. So come back and see us and check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you've enjoyed what you heard here today, please subscribe and hit like and tell your friends about it. That's how we get out there. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for part two next week. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.